You're listening to Mysteries Still Unsolved, a podcast where we discuss unsolved mysteries, both past and present. I'm your host, Rochelle. Today, we will discuss the complex case of Hannah True Love. everybody <laughs> and welcome back to mystery still unsolved uh we've made it yet again to another thursday we have survived another week of this crazy thing that we call life um today's case is extremely complex um i've affectionately kind of renamed it the seven layer dip case because obviously it has so many layers i am very passionate about hannah true love and her case. And I'm hoping that we can one day find some answers for her family and justice for Hannah as well. Um, I almost can't contain myself before just like rattling off this case. But before we get started, I do unfortunately need to subject you all to a little bit of housekeeping. Um, first off, if you're not already following me on Instagram at mystery still unsolved, are we friends? Do you like, are do you even care about me? Have you ever cared about me? Why are you hurting me like this? Okay. <laughs> I know I'm being dramatic, but you totally should follow me on Instagram at Mysteries Still Unsolved. That's where I post pictures and videos of the cases that we cover. You can comment your thoughts, your theories, and opinions about any and all of the cases that we talk about. Uh, you can shoot me a DM with a case that you think we should cover. Sometimes, I mean, every once in a blue moon, I pop in on stories just every once in a while, though. So it's not like it's going to be like annoying. Uh, here's something that I've learned about myself. I don't like talking very much and I'm not very outgoing by nature. So when I do speak, it's because I have something valuable I want to share with the people. And that very much translates to my Instagram presence as well. I'm not just going to pop on to just like pop on. Like every time I do pop on, it's because I have some sort of like exciting news or I just want to like provide some context for the newest episode. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to be one of those annoying people who like post like 80 stories a day. Um, I have some fun things at my sleeves and I'm very excited for them to be ready so I can finally share the news with you. But for now, you're just going to have to follow me on Instagram so that way you don't miss out. I do have a website. It is www.mysterystillunsolved.com. There you can go and binge my now 73 episodes. We are climbing to that 100th episode. We are so close. I can almost taste it. Also, a lot of people ask me, Rochelle, how can I support your podcast? I mean, I'm already a follower of your Instagram. I tune in every week and I've told a few of my friends about you, but what else can I do? Is there even anything else to do? Yes. Yes, there is. You can leave me a review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple or the podcast app, whatever. This way, true crime-loving strangers out there in the universe will have a better chance on stumbling across my podcast. I love suggesting this as a way to help me out because not only is it simple, but it's free and painless. Just write down what you love about Mystery Still Unsolved and why you think other people should tune in, and that's that's all you need to do. Um, but seriously, you guys are all 
so great. I really got lucky when it came to like my listenership and viewership. So thank you so much. Okay. Like I said, I am chomping at the bit to tell you all about today's case. So without further delay, here we go. Hannah Truelove was born on May 18, 1996. Her parents were Jeff and Mona. Hannah had two siblings, an older brother named Clint and a sister named Jessica. Hannah is described by those who knew and loved her most as a unique individual. She was very fun and was popular amongst her peers. She was a free spirit. She wasn't someone who was afraid to speak her mind. She was sassy, but also loving, and she had a bright future ahead of her. Her parents have said that they don't really know for sure what career path Hannah would have pursued, but they were pretty sure that whatever she decided on that she'd be like a kick-ass one. Um, She just had this incredibly insatiable drive and energy about her. The other day, I was thinking about my kiddos, my son especially, and just thinking about how wild he is. Like, he's almost feral. And I stumbled across this quote, and I'll read it to you now. Maybe some of you can relate to me as a mom of one of these wild ones. Or maybe you'll chuckle to yourself knowing that you were one of those wild ones for your own parents, but you're a better human now for it. So here it goes. It says, Some of us are raising the wild ones, the room wreckers, the reality checkers, the fire-tongued and fierce leaders, the wild-hearted and the world changers. These kids argue like prosecutors when you simply wish that they'd say yes, mom, and move on. But one day they will use those skills to stand up for themselves, the people they love, and perfect strangers because injustice has never thrived in their world. Don't you just love that? I like that. (laughs) I fall back on that quote a lot um, whenever my son is making me feel like I want to rip my hair out of my head. Um, I don't know Hannah personally. I don't think I even know anyone who knew Hannah. But when I was reading this description about her from her friends and family members, I could not stop thinking about that quote. I feel like from what I know about her via articles and documentaries that I've watched, that she might have agreed that she was, in fact, a wild one. It's good. We need more wild ones out there among us. Uh, Difficult to raise them, but they are so needed in our world. At some point after Hannah was born, her parents did end up getting a divorce. After this happened, Hannah moved to Gainesville, Georgia with her mother and her siblings. Um, They ended up moving to the Lake Lanier Club Apartments, which is like a gated uh, community apartment complex. Um, Hannah attended Gainesville High School, where she grew to become popular very, very fast. Um, I have no idea how she did this, uh, because I can tell you that if I was moved from like my high school to a new high school, I would have never survived. Um, I was like an ugly duckling in high school. And I'm pretty sure that the only reason I had friends in high school was because they were all my friends from like kindergarten before I had like geeked out. (laughs) So very, it would have been very, very difficult for me to survive in a new high school, I think. So props to Hannah. I don't know how she did it, but I mean, some, some of us are just perfect. They thrive in that kind of situation. Um, So Hannah loved gymnastics. She loved music and she loved to sing. So now that you kind of have a grasp, albeit a very small grasp on who Hannah was, um, let's talk about August 23rd, 2012. 
All right, so in the early evening of August 23rd, Mona ended up coming home after a long day of work. Once she arrived, she was surprised to see that her daughter Hannah was not home. Typically, Hannah would be there, but on this particular day, she was not. Regardless of her not being there when her mom got home, her mom did notice some clues indicating that Hannah had at least at one point been there. She saw that Hannah had gotten the mail and that her backpack was in her room. On this particular day, Mona was exhausted, so she took a nap knowing, I mean, I'm assuming that she knew for sure that it was like, okay, it's unusual that she's not home, but it's not like it's 3 a.m. It's like 5 or 6 or 7. Um, so I'm sure that she just figured, all right, I'm going to go take a nap. And when I wake up, Hannah will be here and everything's going to be fine. However, a few hours later, Hannah was still not home. Mona decided the best thing to do would be to call Hannah's father, Jeff. The reason that Mona decided to do this was because Hannah and her father would frequently go on these pre-planned daddy-daughter dinner dates. Um, That was kind of the way that Hannah and her dad would stay connected and spend some much-needed quality time together. Mona thought about it, and there was definitely a huge possibility that she had mixed up the dates, or perhaps Hannah had just forgotten to tell her that she was going to go to one of these pre-planned daddy-daughter dinner dates. Um, But when Mona called Jeff and he let her know that he didn't have Hannah and that he had not spent any time with her at all that day, Mona and Jeff both began to worry because this was so unlike their daughter. The next thing they decided to do was to call a handful of Hannah's friends. Mona knew that something was very, very wrong, and this is why she decided to get the police involved because she had called all of Hannah's friends and all of Hannah's friends had said, like, we haven't seen her. We don't know why she wouldn't be home. Um, so Mona placed the call to the police at around 10.30 p.m. When police arrived to Mona's home, the first thing they decided to do was search the entire apartment complex and the area immediately around it. Now, here's where things got a little bit tricky. So the night of August 23rd was a very rainy night. There was a huge thunderstorm, in fact. And this not only made searching for her tricky, but it also gave her mother and the police some hope. Like, was it possible that Hannah had gone to the store or was just like sitting in her car somewhere waiting out the storm? I mean, it was certainly possible. Unfortunately, as time progressed, this was not the case. Um, After a night of searching, the police did have to return to Mona's apartment and tell Hannah's mother that their initial search had become or had been unsuccessful. Okay, so now the date is August 24th, the day after Hannah goes missing. Um, There was a man who had been walking through the woods that was behind the apartment complex. And while this man was walking through the woods, he ended up seeing something that he thought looked like a mannequin. People, it is 2022. Stop thinking things look like a mannequin because nine times out of ten, it is not a mannequin. Like, assume it's a dead body and then be surprised when it's a mannequin. Like, don't assume it's a mannequin and then be surprised when it's a dead body because it is the exception, not the rule, that it's going to be a mannequin. Um, Luckily, this man had heard about the search for Hannah the night before and he didn't just walk by the mannequin. Um, He decided to investigate and once he got closer, he was able to see that what he thought was a mannequin was actually a body. 
Because he heard about Hannah's disappearance when the um, and he knew that the police had been searching the complex, he immediately he immediately went home and called the police to let them know that he was pretty sure he had found Hannah. I mean, it was probably unlikely that the body belonged to anybody else, but he didn't know for sure because he didn't know Hannah personally. But he just said, I was out in the woods. I found a body. I know that you guys are looking for somebody. I think that this might be who you're looking for. Authorities went to the wooded area. Once they got there, they were able to positively identify that the body found was, in fact, Hannah Truelove. When authorities got to Hannah, they were able to figure out pretty quickly that she had been stabbed to death. However, because of that that rainstorm the night before, any possible DNA evidence that typically would have been on Hannah herself or the crime scene vicinity had unfortunately been washed away. So the police really were starting from scratch here. Authorities tried to piece together what happened on August 23rd. They found out that in the late afternoon, Hannah was seen hanging out with some friends on the lawn of the complex. Hannah was seen on the lawn at about 4 p.m. by other residents that lived there. Um, This area where she was seen was a pretty active area, and and especially on this particular day, there were a lot of kids out there like playing sports, people having a beard, having picnics. There was a lot of activity going on. Um, There was a witness who claimed to have been on the lawn at the same time as Hannah, and this person shared with police that there had been in a four-door SUV type of car that pulled up very close to where Hannah was sitting. SUV kind of hung out there. Um, Hannah got up and she talked to somebody. Um, and then a young man got out of the car and Hannah was seen talking to him after the SUV drove off. This young man was not the only person in the car, but he was the only one who got out of it. Hannah was then seen walking behind the young man and followed him into the woods where her body was eventually found. It is interesting to note that every witness who saw this interaction agreed that Hannah was walking behind this young man and not just like kind of behind, but like 15 steps or so. So they were not walking side by side in like a friendly chummy way. Um, And this is kind of what made the witness remember it because it was kind of odd. Um, It was very clear that the young man was leading or guiding Hannah. Uh, This young man was described as being an African-American male, and he could have been anywhere from his late teens to his early 20s. So you might be thinking, well that's who did it. Let's go pick him up. She went into the woods and then she got killed after following this young man into the woods. But it's not so simple because even though these witnesses claim they saw Hannah enter the woods following this young man, other witnesses say that they saw her come out after about an hour and she hung out on the lawn again. Uh, To this day, no one has been able to identify the young man involved in that interaction. But because she was seen an hour later, police do not believe he is a suspect. However, they do want to talk to him because he might be able to shed some light on Hannah's actions, her thoughts, like what was going on in her head shortly before her death. So at this time, he is just a person of interest, not a suspect. 
Police have also come forward to say that they believe that whoever murdered Hannah was most likely someone that she knew. Police have also stated that they believe Hannah was murdered where she was found. They don't believe that there is any evidence to support that she was killed at a separate location and later brought to where she was found because there were no drag marks at the scene. I have seen from multiple sources that on the last day of Hannah's life, she actually did not communicate with other people using her cell phone. Rather, she was using a Nintendo DS system. Um, her phone had been confiscated, and I'm not sure if it had been like confiscated by the school or if she had been like grounded from it by her parents. Um, that part was unclear. But what was clear is that she didn't have it with her at the time of her death, so the police were not able to use it to track her movements or see who she had been talking to that day or a couple of days leading up to her disappearance appearance and death. Um, because of the lack of evidence, as well as this being a homicide, police did a lot more digging into Hannah's personal life. Um, the investigators were able to figure out that Hannah was extremely active on social media. Social media was her jam. She loved updating her statuses. She loved posting pictures. Her social media of choice was Twitter. That girl loved herself some tweets. She was just tweeting, tweeting, tweeting. She would tweet all the time, and her tweets are actually still public if you want to, like, go over there and, and look at them. Um, when you comb through them, you can see that there was definitely some sort of a love interest in her life. Uh, she would also post, like, these sassy little quotes or quibs or, like, funny observations that she made. Um, what stuck out most to police was that the days leading up to August 23rd, her tweets got a little more worrisome. I think that's the word that I'll go with. On August 12th, just 11 days before her death, Hannah wrote, I got me an ugly ass stalker. On August 18th, Hannah wrote, so scared right now. According to police, they were able to identify who this stalker was that Hannah had been referring to. They tracked them down and they asked, uh, they questioned him and they were able to exclude him from any involvement in Hannah's death. On August 22nd, so just a day before Hannah goes missing, Hannah tweeted, I need to move out of these dang apartments. That one was a little bit harder to decipher because was that just teenage drama or was it possibly more serious? After combing through her tweets, police did lean more on the side of dramatic teenager and they believed that that final uh, tweet wasn't anything like too substantial. Which I find kind of hard to believe because, yeah, sure, teenagers can be dramatic and normally I'd pay no mind. But she tweeted that she had a stalker and then she tweeted that she was scared. And then less than two weeks later, she's found murdered. So I don't think it was all drama. Things did come to pass, like if you know what I mean. Uh, there are so many layers and questions surrounding this case. There are things that definitely could be red herrings, but they could also explain everything everything. Most people believe that the main reason this case has remained unsolved for so long is due to that annoying rainstorm that occurred that night. A lot of people also believe that police do, in fact, have a good idea 
of who killed Hannah, but due to the lack of evidence, they realistically can't confirm things with this individual. Um, they are more than likely waiting for someone to come forward, um, somebody that this person might have confessed to or confided in, or they're just waiting for this person that was involved that actually killed Hannah to come in and confess because like it's weighing heavy on their hearts or whatever. Um, so here are a few theories, okay? The first theory is that Hannah was murdered by someone who also lived at the apartment complex. A lot of people have questioned the tweet, I need to move out of these dang apartments. That this could possibly mean that there was a person stalking her and that is why she wanted to move out. There are so many meanings though that that quote could have. Hannah went missing at about 7 p.m. on the 23rd. And like I said, the community there was very active. Um, the residents of the complex looked out for each other. Um, if someone was there that wasn't supposed to be, uh, they would have stood out like a sore thumb. And this is proven by the witnesses that did come forward who recalled that SUV and the unidentified young man that Hannah was seen talking to. Like normally if a car drives up and talks to somebody, you don't really notice. But because this was a gated community, because this was a very close-knit apartment community, they noticed. Like they're like, I've never seen that SUV before. So people would would notice. You know what I mean? Um, so that being said, it is plausible that if whoever killed Hannah lived in the apartments, it would have been slightly easier for them to blend in without raising suspicions. Mind you, the spot in the woods where Hannah was found was only a quarter mile from where she lived. So it's not like it was deep in the wild forests of Gainesville. And keep that in mind because we're going to be getting into that a little bit later. Another theory is that Hannah was pregnant at the time of her murder. There are people who believe that she might have even been faking a pregnancy. I personally feel that if she were pregnant, we would probably know by now. But at the same time, it could perhaps be what's called guilty knowledge information um, that the police are keeping close to the chest. Many people claim that Hannah was involved in this love triangle between herself, her best friend at the time, and Hannah's boyfriend or her best friend forever's boyfriend. Um, there's just like some unclear, there's like some, it's just messy. The water's messy a little bit. Uh, the theory goes that if Hannah was pregnant, the father of the child or whoever Hannah might have been pretending was the father of her child um, might have taken it upon themselves to get rid of Hannah once and for all. Not ready to be a dad, not wanting to pay child support for whatever reason. This person wanted Hannah gone. Something that supports these claims of either a true pregnancy or a falsified one is that leading up to her murder, Hannah had tweeted multiple times that her stomach was hurting, um, that she was gaining weight. She tweeted about her stomach growing. Um, and I think because of that, it has led a lot of people to believe that she was pr either pregnant or pretending to be pregnant. The autopsy results on this case have not been released to the public, so I couldn't tell you whether she's pregnant or not pregnant. Um, if Hannah was pregnant, this would give 
whoever killed her, a possible motive, and perhaps some DNA evidence that could prove who the father was if she was, in fact, actually pregnant. So because they claim there's no DNA evidence, I don't. I have a hard time believing that she actually was pregnant. Um, There are so many ways to use DNA now that they could have easily just tested the pregnancy, like the embryo, and found a relative at least that would help narrow down their search. So personally, I do not believe that she was pregnant. Um, She might have been pretending. I mean, I don't know her. I don't know if that's something that she would do. Um, Although nowhere in her tweets does she actually claim to be pregnant. Like, I get all those symptoms that she claims to have had in her tweets. Um, But you could say this, like, I could say the same thing after eating a Cafe Rio pulled pork salad. Like, my stomach hurts. It's growing. It's getting bigger. Like, yeah, I have a food baby. So I don't see any definitive tweet that convinces me without a shadow of a doubt that she was actively trying to fake a pregnancy. Like, I don't believe that. But maybe she was pregnant and the police do knew, do know who the father was. But again, the rain washed away the evidence. I mean, just because you impregnated someone and could potentially have a motive doesn't mean you actually did it. So even if they did have evidence pointing to a father for unborn child, um, they would need more definitive evidence to prove murder. Does that make sense? <laughs> An unwilling daddy does not a murderer make. Okay, you're going to have to have more proof than just like you fathered a child. Um, Another theory is that Hannah's murder could have been related to gang violence. So if you go to Hannah's Facebook page, which is still active, you will see that she associated with multiple people who were involved, at least at the time of her murder, in a street gang in Gainesville. Some people have questioned whether Hannah's death was a result of some sort of like gang initiation gone wrong. Um, Some people have tried to link the the unidentified male as being a member of this gang. But honestly, like we just don't know that. We don't even know the name of this young man. Like he's never been found. The police have never been able to question him. So it's just not fair or right to assume that because Hannah had gang friends and that this young man was Afri- was an African-American male, that that automatically means that he was in a gang or that her death was gang-related. Um, this theory just seems a little bit narrow-minded to me and almost like people are just being lazy with their conspiracy theories. And if you want to have a conspiracy theory, like, you've got to be committed, okay? There's no laziness in conspiracy theories, okay? So I don't like that one bit. Um, now, what I will say is that it is a little bit weird um, because I'm assuming that this young man has watched the news and seen that they want to talk to him. Um, And I do find it a little bit weird that this young man has not come forward after learning on the news that he was potentially one of the last people to be seen with Hannah. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't know why you wouldn't go to the station with like a lawyer and try to sort things out. Um, however, I think we're all aware, especially if you've seen that documentary about the Central Park Five, um, why some people of color would feel uncomfortable going to the police to convince them of their innocence. I would assume that they would be afraid of possibly being used as a scapegoat or something because we've seen that time and time again in our judicial system. Um, I, For me, 
I personally would want to clear Shiz up and like be like, hey, uh, that was me and I definitely didn't kill her. Um, but I realize that my experience is my own um, and that I live in a unique bubble of Rochelle-ness and that many people have very different experiences with police police officers um the law is not always on innocent people's side um we would certainly like it to be we would hope it to be but it just isn't um something that's always kind of felt off about this case is that police were called to hannah's apartment on the 23rd and the police claim that they did a extremely thorough search of the complex and its surrounding areas however hannah was found the next day a quarter mile from her home in the woods. Did the police really search as well as they claimed? And there literally wasn't anything there? Because if so, this would mean that if they believe that Hannah was killed where she lie, that Hannah was still alive during this thorough search. I would be extremely interested to know the exact or approximate time of death that is listed on the ME report. Unfortunately, like I said, it has not been made public yet, so I can't give you that information, and it's killing me inside. Um, usually, the standard for police when searching for a missing person is to do a three-mile radius search, so they would have checked where Hannah was found. Um, this makes me think that it's possible Hannah was taken or went voluntarily off of the complex's ground and wasn't killed until later on in the evening? Um, Is it possible that the unidentified male and Hannah had gone into the woods to make plans for meeting up later that night because she did have her phone taken away? Um, I also question if Hannah was really murdered where she was found at all. What if she had been murdered at another location and dumped after police went searching for her, but before the thunderstorm? This could potentially mask any drag marks. Please remember that these are just theories. Um, They are not at all backed by solid evidence. Uh, This case is still unsolved. So there are a lot of unknowns. And when there are unknowns, we as humans try our best to fill in the gaps to try to make sense of things but a lot of the times we wrong okay (laughs) we're we're usually wrong um almost 10 years later this case is still unsolved and we are no closer to solving it today than they were nearly a decade ago uh that means that there is possibly a killer walking around freely right now and that's scary Not only does it mean that Hannah and her family have not gotten the justice and the closure that they deserve, but it means that whoever did this could do it again. Um, Before we wrap up today, I would love to share with you something that I found that was quite bizarre. And it's not really about Hannah Trulove, but it is about Lake Lanier. And if you remember, Hannah lived in the Lake Lanier Club Apartments. So let's talk about it. All right. Honestly, Lake Lanier... I didn't know about it before this episode, but we could make an entire like docu-series (laughs) dedicated to this lake. Uh, Lake Lanier is in Georgia. Uh, Hannah actually lived right off of Lake Lanier. Lake Lanier is actually known as Georgia's most cursed lake. And some people even believe that Lake Lanier itself is haunted. 
Uh, the reason that Lake Lanier is known by this namesake is because of its overwhelming amount of accidents and deaths that have occurred either on or around the lake. These include things such as boating accidents and deaths, swimming accidental deaths, and just an overwhelming number of people who have just straight up driven their cars into the lake without reason. Um, A lot of these drowning accidents have happened to incredibly strong swimmers in calm waters. Like the people that were swimming in the lake knew what they were doing. They knew that you needed to wait until conditions were perfect. And the people who survived some of these near drownings on the lake claim that while the incident was occurring, they felt incredibly powerless and it seemed and felt as though they were being pulled or dragged underwater by unseen hands. I don't like that. This is just like intensifying my fear of like deep water. Um, In 2012, the same year that Hannah was found after being murdered, uh, there were these two young boys who were driving a pontoon when they were struck by an out-of-control speeding boat. Apparently, the boat driver said that he had just been driving, and then all of a sudden, his boat just started accelerating, and there was just nothing he could do to avoid these two boys, unfortunately. And these young boys did, in fact, pass away. Another accident involves infamous singer Usher's ex-wife, um, so his ex-wife's son died while he was on the lake because he was hit by an out-of-control jet ski. In 2015, there was a 25-year-old man named Kelly Nash, and he went missing from his home on January 5th, and his body was found in Lake Lanier a month later with a gunshot wound to his head. Um, to this day, this case remains unsolved. In November of 1990, there was a construction project taking place on the lake because the town wanted to construct a bridge that went across Lake Lanier. Um, In order to do this, they had to clear out the lake so that they could put pillars in. So when they dredged this lake or drained this lake, they found a car at the bottom of it. And this car did in fact have a decomposing body inside. It was so badly decomposed that they didn't know who it was, but through some IDs that they were able to find in the back seat, they identified the body as Susie Roberts. So Susie, as well as her friend Delia, had both gone missing after a night out on the town together in 1954. Yeah. That's right, 1954. This body, these were this body was found in 1990. Um, Susie's body was the only one in the car, though. Strangely enough, a few months prior to them dredging the lake, the unknown, badly decomposed body of another woman was found, and this body was missing both of its hands and two toes on the left foot. After finding Susie and comparing the decomposition of both of the bodies, it was later confirmed that that body they had found a couple months prior belonged to Delia. To this day, no one has been able to explain like what happened to the two girls, why they were found in the lake, why her hands were missing. Because apparently when the ME invest- like was doing his autopsy, um the like 
the way that her hands were removed, it was not consistent with like animal life or anything like that. It was more clean cut. So it's almost like somebody cut her hands off with a very, very uh, sharp object. Um, after the two female bodies were discovered in the lake in the 90s, the, this legend of Lady in the Lake was born. Um, multiple people have claimed to have seen a ghostly sort of woman wandering back and forth on the now completed Lake Lanier Bridge. And every single person who said that they've seen this ghostly figure has claimed that she was wearing an old fashioned blue dress and that the figure was missing both of its hands. In 2013, there was also a murder of a woman named Kayla, and her remains were found on a park off of Lake Lanier. In 2015, there was a murder-suicide of an individual who, for no apparent reason, purposely drove their car into Lake Lanier. Okay, so I want to clarify things. Like, I'm not saying that Hannah Truelove's murder has anything to do with the paranormal, because in my heart of hearts... I do not believe that, but I do find it interesting that all of this like negative energy and heartache seems to be leaching to this particular area. Like I find that very bizarre, but what do you think? What do you make of this lake? What do you make of the case involving Hannah Truelove? Who do you think is to blame? Who has Hannah's blood on their hands? What do you believe their motive was or could have been? Only time will tell if this case is ever solved, but I really, really hope that one day it is. Um, I'm hoping that this, whoever killed Hannah, this stupid dummy, like confides in somebody and this person's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go along with this until you leave and then I'm going to call the police. Um Technology has a knack for progressing forward, and with each passing year, we just have more and more ways of testing these old, cold cases. Um, I hope that in the near future, a test will come out that will substantially increase the chances of Hannah Truelove's case being solved. Or, like I said earlier, perhaps someone who didn't kill Hannah but witnessed it or heard about it, will be brave enough to come forward now and share the information that they have. In one article, I found a quote by Lieutenant Franklin, and he's the person that um, was kind of heading up her case, and he believes that Hannah Truelove knew her killer. Um, He says, quote, I think there were too many people out there that evening. If she was taken against her will, they would have heard something or heard a struggle, end quote. Uh, Franklin theorizes that she came to this location with somebody voluntarily and that he doesn't believe that she would have followed just anybody in there. It would have had to be somebody that she knew. Um, He also thinks that it's possible that one that more than one person may have been present when she was stabbed. I don't know how he would come to this theory, but there's guilty knowledge information. And that is just what he believes. Um, He says, quote, Who we try to reach are not necessarily the person that had the knife in their hand, but anybody that was present and maybe would be less culpable and didn't have as much responsibility, but was just there, maybe in a situation that they didn't even want to be in, end quote. 
Franklin was the original investigator on the case, and six years later, he remains on the case. Um, Though he has been promoted to a supervisor position, which usually means that they don't keep their old cases, he specifically requested to stay on Hannah Trulove's case. In fact, it is currently his only active, unclosed investigation. He says, quote, the burden to get justice for Hannah is squarely on my shoulders and the shoulders of my co-lead at the GBI, which is the Georgia Bureau of Investigations. Um, Franklin keeps Hannah's Nintendo DS close by as a reminder to always be searching for new clues in this case. He says, quote, I never forget about Hannah. I think about her every day, end quote. If anyone has any information about Hannah True Love's murder, um, they are asked to call Hall County Sheriff at 770-531-6885, or you can call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS, 222-TIPS, um, and they will forward the information along. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today. If you are a mystery still unsolved veteran, I appreciate your continued support. Um, If you're new around here, thanks for coming. I hope that you keep coming back. Uh, Do you want to know how you can further support this podcast? Uh, Of course you do. (laughs) That was a long of. Okay. Follow me on Instagram at mystery still unsolved. Visit my website, www.mysterystillunsolved.com. Please leave me a review wherever you enjoy listening to your podcasts. Uh, Tell a fellow true crime loving friend or family member about me. And don't feel limited to just tell family and friends. Tell your rabbi. Tell your hairdresser, your x-ray tech, your babysitter, but not like in a creepy way because then they won't want to babysit for you anymore. (laughs) But like, just be like, hey, do you like true crime? You can listen to the podcast. Okay. Uh, Shout it from the rooftops. I want everyone, everyone to know about Mystery Still Unsolved. And don't forget to join me next Thursday when together we'll discover, did someone ever place a useful tip? Has justice prevailed? Or is the mystery still unsolved?